you are tuning into the podcast series, We Talk Cyber with Monica, a platform for engaging discussions and expert opinions on all things cyber. Check out more information on monicatalkcyber.com. Welcome to the podcast series, and let's hop right into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you're tuning in today. Welcome to today's episode of We Talk Cyber with Monica. I'm your host, Monica Verma. Today, we are joined by a very special guest who is a true inspiration, especially also because of the field that he's working with, that is cloud security. Having worked with this field and also representing Cloud Security Alliance, it is one of the critical topics in today's digitalization era. And we're talking a lot about this today with our guest. So we're switching directly to him. Hi, Mark. Hi, uh, my name is Mark Nunnikoven. Uh, thanks for having me on the uh, podcast, uh, Monica. Very happy to be here. Uh, I'm the Vice President of uh, Cloud Research at Trend Micro. Um, what that basically means is I get to learn for a living. I get to research to see what's happening out in the community of people adopting cloud, um, both from a non-security perspective and a security perspective, which are two very, very different things. Um, I get to work with a lot of the big cloud providers to figure out how they uh, and understand how they look at security and how they're implementing it. Um, and then, you know, the academic side of, of running, seeing how cybercrime is adjusting in the area of cloud. So a uh, really fun job. And then a big part of it is trying to share that learning out and uh, learn from others as well, which is why I'm really happy to be here. It sounds really fun. And this sharing part is really the reason why we're here today. Mm-hmm. So let's hop right into the podcast. Um, you have worked long enough in cloud security and in security in general. You have worked long enough. But yeah. just talking about cloud security... Because a lot of challenges, obviously, a lot of organizations are facing when they either migrate into cloud or are in cloud, also securing the cloud. But what do you believe is one of your top ranked challenges with cloud security? I think the biggest, sort of the top ranked one is uh, the understanding of the shared responsibility model. Um, because that really is something that goes against a lot of traditional security views. Um, mm. you know, for the longest time, you know, so you mentioned I've been practicing for a long time. And, and, uh, for those of you who are watching the podcast, uh, online, you can see uh, how much gray is in the beard. Um, you know, the traditional security view is very much like I can see it. It's mine. I can put my hands around it. Um, I know where the assets are and it's a very stable environment, right? So things take time to get online. Um, there's all sorts of procedures and processes and right. we've built security teams around that. Um, mm-hmm. The challenge is, is that's not how cloud teams see the cloud, um, right? The cloud is really an amplifier. It allows smaller teams to deliver way more than ever possible um, because they're right. sharing that responsibility with the cloud provider. And that dynamic environment, that speed challenges a lot of things we just assume to be true in security. Um, mm. And so not understanding where those lines are. So if you're using a virtual machine, what you're responsible for versus if right. you're deploying a serverless app, what you're responsible for, not understanding those lines are really, really critical. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest challenge, even though that's one of the most fundamental things about working in the cloud from the security perspective or not, right. is understanding that model. Yeah, that makes total sense because when you talk about cloud security 101, it is really shared responsibility. And mm-hmm. you can switch to different deployment models. You can have IaaS, PaaS, serverless, all these things, yep. but you cannot ever get rid of 100% security responsibility. Some part of it will be lying with you as an organization always and understanding where that lies. It's like when you had IaaS, PaaS, and SaaS, when you started with just like very clean architecture, people could like very cleanly differentiate. But I think now it's more like a spectrum. You kind of like have shades of responsibility mm-hmm. moving here and there. And that's where it makes it very tricky. And one of the concepts which I want to ask you now is, 
visibility or lack of visibility mm-hmm. in general yeah. is a security problem and it's more amplified when it comes to cloud why do you believe that it's so challenging especially in cloud and second how does it make it way more challenging when you're talking about cloud supply chains sure yeah and that's a great set of questions um so it actually comes back to one of the things you said in your comments is um you know uh trying to define what's infrastructure what's platform what's software as a service it, it's a gray zone for what you're using as an org because you're using all of them uh, but somebody actually asked me the other day they said how do i classify a service as a platform as a service and my answer was well uh here's a bunch of things that may indicate that might be but there's, it, you, we can't even get a clear definition. You can clearly define infrastructure. You can clearly define software. The platform is just a whole bunch of gray and it ties right, directly right. into that visibility question. If we don't even know what type of service we're leveraging, how do we understand what we should be looking at in that service to know whether or not it's actually operating properly? And, you know, visibility starts to segue into um, traceability and observability as well. They're all mm. sort of under the broader category of monitoring, but visibility is really that first step for people. And the challenge facing a lot of security teams is that it takes almost nothing to start up working in the cloud, right? You grab mm-hmm. your credit card, you sign up for an account. That's how most organizations get started. And I know the big three providers actually have internal programs over the last few years to go and clean up other organizations spending because this right. unit was spending on a credit card, that unit was spending on a credit card. <laughs> it was like, hey, we can cut you guys a better deal. Um, and you can, you know, understand your cloud spend better. But from a security perspective, that's a nightmare where right. you've got, you know, your team, my team, eight other teams are all spending on completely different things. And the question is, mm-hmm. do we know about them? And right. that's really the first step of visibility is, is, do you know who's actually working in the cloud? Because then you can talk to them about, okay, can I get read only access into some logging? Can I get some uh, compliance um, evidence being generated automatically? Like you can start to actually do the work. But that first step of visibility is, does it exist? I don't know. I need to find it. And that's that's really the the core of it. So, and what was the second part of your question? Because you hit me with two big ones right out of the yeah, gate. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's good. It's, it's the second awesome. Part, the second part of the question was, does it get more complicated with the cloud supply chain? Because now it's not mm. just, I am using a service from one service provider. I'm using different type of deployment models, different services, from different vendors at the same time, which are just merging in somewhere or the other and providing Mm -hmm. a service. So how does the already lack of visibility gets affected by that? Yeah, and that that is uh, that is absolutely spot on, and that that's a, a glimpse at the complexity. So um, it's funny because the less cloudy your deployment is, the right. easier it is to keep track of. So if you've got an organization that's in the very beginning steps of their cloud journey and they're just right. forklifting what they have over into the cloud, there's some tangible benefits to that as a step. It's a legitimate mm-hmm. step. Don't let what the cool kids are saying, you know, fool you because everyone's like, oh, no, you got to build everything cloud native. Eventually you should. But there is value in taking what you have now and dropping it into the cloud. That's the easiest for visibility. And that sort of doesn't change your supply chain nearly as different. In a serverless architecture, what you're doing is taking a bunch of SaaS services that suit your needs. And instead of building the microservices yourself, you're basically taking somebody else's service, gluing those together to create an application. From a business perspective, it's a brilliant move because you're almost entirely focused on business value. You mm-hmm. don't have a team that's running like Exchange or Active Directory or things like mm-hmm. that on the back end. It's like, no, I just, I just need to deliver this to my customer and off you go. From a security perspective, now as many services as you have are normally different vendors. 
Hopefully you've clumped a bunch of those from one cloud vendor, but it's not uncommon to see somebody building a serverless app with a bunch of AWS services and then something like Auth0, maybe leveraging Firebase from Google, just, you know, picking the best that suits their needs, which is how they should. Mm. But now from a visibility perspective, you've got different languages, different depths of visibility, um, different formats, different API structures, all this stuff. So the more complex or the more cloud native yeah, let, let's rephrase that to clean is that the more cloud native your architectures and your designs are, the more complicated the visibility problem becomes. And right. that's where people start to run into problems. Also, different vendors have different models around what they allow and how do they allow you to get visibility and access to logs and all mm-hmm. these different things, right? But let me ask you then this, because different three big service providers at least, right? They provide some other form of um, access to the logs. Mm-hmm. Who has the accountability at the end of the day? So is the question who's accountable between the organization using the service and the service or who within the organization is, is accountable? Well, between the organization and the service. Okay. In this case, what it comes down to is a core tenant of the shared responsibility model is that at the end of the day, you're always responsible for security. And you are always responsible for your data. And part of security is that data. So Mm -hmm. when you're making a service selection, you need to understand if that service can meet your needs from a security perspective. So the easy Mm -hmm. example here, um, especially for uh, uh, your U.S. audience, is if you're building a healthcare application that has to adhere to HIPAA. Right. That's right. the U.S. law around healthcare uh, information. Um, if the service you're choosing to build on doesn't isn't HIPAA compliant itself, that's a right. no go right out of the gate. Now, I have seen organizations that have not asked that question up front and they have mm-hmm. built a, a service, uh, their mm-hmm. own application, leveraging a service that's not HIPAA compliant. And then when they came to get audited, they're like, well, wait a minute, this we're never going to pass. And, you know, the security answer is like, well, yeah, like you should have known that you can't build on a, a compliant service on a non-compliant service. Um, you know, but again, that's an educational issue. So it comes down to the, it's your responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. but the service provider has to provide that to your needs where it comes down to what your action that you have to take is understanding before you leverage it. Does this service meet my security needs and privacy needs? Because there are right. sometimes, uh, there are things where you don't really care. Right. So if you're building an application that shows you the cafeteria menu, you don't really care that you're going to get in-depth logging and, you know, access control and all this kind of stuff because it's right. not really important data. And risk assessment, no risk right? to... Yeah, exactly. So, but if you're dealing with core financial data or core IP for your company, you're going to want to make sure that you're leveraging services that are meeting your needs. Um, which is why actually even in my example for like a serverless, um, uh, uh service, Somebody mm-hmm. might be leveraging something like Auth0 versus a um, one of the native built-in authentication services. A specialized service that only deals with identity is going to offer some more nuanced control, some more um, in-depth data than you would from something that might maybe not quite as mature yet. So then my follow-up question is accountability within the organization, since that was mm-hmm. a difficult one. <laughs> You kind of set myself up for that one, didn't <laughs> yeah, I? Yeah, exactly. I set myself up for that. So the good news here is you're going to get a ton of engagement because what I'm about to say is probably going to tick off a whole bunch of people, especially dedicated security people. The vast majority uh, majority of organizations should not have a dedicated security team as it stands today. The, a lot of the work that our security teams are doing, in, especially in big organizations, right. should be delegated out to the business unit that's responsible for building and maintaining the application. So one of the big pushes in cloud around developer enablement um, is right. illustrated in Gene Kim's latest book, The Unicorn Project. 
Um, so that's the follow-up to the Phoenix Project DevOps Handbook. And even if you're not a developer, you should be reading these books because this is where the development team and IT service delivery is going. Um, and a core tenet in the Unicorn Project, one of the five ideals that the book's based around is locality and simplicity. So keeping systems as simple as possible, keeping data and tools as close to possible as the team that's running those uh, services. Security is one of those things. So mm -hmm. the job of the security team, at least a modernized security team, should be to educate and enable those developer teams to run their services securely. So that means the data and the monitoring should be staying with them. Right. Uh, and then the security team should be providing expertise and oversight to help them understand. Right. And when something like incident response happens, that's when your security team should be able to come in. But the day-to-day -day configuration, monitoring, things like vulnerability scanning, firewall configuration, security groups, all mm. that kind of stuff should be within the development team because they have the context to make the decisions correctly. Uh, in a big organizations, according to Gartner, it's one full-time security person for every 750 employees in the organization. So one security person cannot be responsible for the work product and right. operational security of 749 other people. We need to educate out. And I think the cloud's the biggest opportunity for that. The security team's job is to set up the guardrails. Right. right. Here's the, the basic configurations. Here's the way you can put things in place to be compliant down the road, what you need to be looking for, and then continually checking in and educating. But at the end of the day, security has too much on our plate anyway. If we yeah, get other correct. people to do it and to do it better, then that lets us focus on the really important stuff and the stuff that actually needs our in-depth security expertise. Because defining the right framework, defining the right baseline, and actually ensuring that this supports the business that's not what developers are going to do, right? That's sort of where you come into the picture. Yeah, and we complain about the skills gap, which is a very real problem. But the challenge with the skills gap is the assumption that the way we're doing things now is the way to continue to do things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the fundamental problem, right? So um, I, I think then that's one of the reasons I started researching in the cloud was because I saw an opportunity for us to change and to do better because I know from all my time in the front lines with security, I was doing a whole bunch of boring stuff. Like, this is exhausting. <laughs> like, why am I looking at all this output from a, from a, a SIM system? I'm, you know, I'm sitting in the, in the sock and like one why? thing I look at out of every 100 is actually valid, right? And that's after it's all been filtered. That's not fun. Like, it's interesting diving into those puzzles. So really it's, you know, it's about getting security back to that focus. Right. Exactly. And talking about all these logs and analyzing them and automating the analysis. You bring me, you give me like a really perfect segue to my next question, which is, do you believe that machine learning and AI can really help us with security and especially cloud security? If yes, what are the challenges? I believe it can eventually. Um, I right. think the biggest problem, so AI has been a passion project of mine for the last 12 or 14 years. Um, I've been a member of the Computational Intelligence Society and the IEEE for a very long time. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's a fascinating field of study. The problem is, is that there's been over the last few years, a combination of mainstream media. So, you know, I'm a sci-fi nut of everything we see in the movies and people going like, ooh, you know, killer robots, that's AI. <laughs> and then the marketing people getting a hold of it saying like, you know, wave this magic wand and all of your problems are done. Um, and that, that does the, the, you know, machine learning and AI a disservice. So, for the record, machine learning is a subset of AI. It's a very right. useful one. It's essentially super advanced statistics, right? Is that's that's mm -hmm. what it boils down to. Um, so I think there's a huge amount of value there because security is generating more data than ever 
and we can't keep up with it. So even my example, uh, you know, or let's, let's be polite and call it an example. Me griping about sitting in a sock and dealing with all that crap, um, is a great case for, uh, machine learning to be applied. Um, and we're seeing this, you know, in the vendor landscape, we're seeing this in the academic landscape. Mm-hmm. The challenge there is the quality of data, right? So the data quality going into machine learning models is really what sets them apart. Right. The models themselves are not that unique. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, if you took uh, a bunch of startups in this tackling the same problem with AI, their mm-hmm. mathematical models would be maybe one or 2% different. The real difference is the results they're generating based on the data they're putting in. So right. for AI... It's about cleaning up that data. It's about maintaining that data. When it comes to security data, it's about properly tagging it to understand what was truly a threat, what was truly a, an issue. Um, and we have a really long way to go there because the sort of the best tool we have at the moment is the CVSS system. The challenge is, is people see an easy number and they go, oh, this is a 9.3 out of 10. I need to fix it right away. There's a lot more that needs to go around that. That's not that included in the CVSS. But the CBS mm-hmm. is a critical part of that bigger decision. It's Absolutely. just people like to, sh- like to shortcut. So Exactly. The scoring definitely provides a value. It's just that the mm-hmm. business context is missing, yes. which you only you can know. So that's yeah. where you need to really apply the business context, right? So, Talking about CVSS could be like a complete podcast episode in itself because there's like... Can- Absolutely. And there are, there's a ton of people with a ton of opinions on it. But the thing I would say to kind of circle off, to close that off was I, I'd given right. a talk last month um, at allthetalks.online, which is a great DevSecOps and DevOps conference. Um, and uh, the talk was purely on risk. So I, did, I just talked about how to evaluate risk. And I think the key thing that a lot of people don't understand um, even in the security world, which really worries me, is that risk is really made up of two parts. It's the um, potential impact of an event and then the probability or the likelihood of that event occurring. So exactly. CVSS is really good at giving you the impact or the potential of that impact, but it but does not, not do anything to address the probability. So easy example of app applying it is you get this Windows update and you go, this is a critical patch. It's a, mm. a 10 out of 10. Um the fact that you don't actually use Windows isn't included in that. So you can't just based on the score, you're going a 10 out of 10, I need to do something about it. Yeah, there's no business risk because we don't use that operating system. So exactly. calm down, everybody. Probability is zero. That's correct. Yeah. That's very correct. And that's where the business context comes in, right? Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Back to cloud. Yeah. <laughs> we just like... <laughs> it's a part of cloud. It's, it's yeah, included. exactly. It is. I mean, risk is a part of cloud, but that's the beauty yeah. of cloud because now we're not talking about one specific area of security. We're actually talking yeah. about security from A to Z, risk from yes. A to Z, and business continuity from A to Z with these new mm-hmm. technologies. Yeah. Right? You have to really understand and change your mindset when you start thinking about these disruptive technologies, which basically are also a way for innovating and helping us with yeah. innovation. How do we really think about security? So traditional mindset, we're definitely not going to work anyway. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Very, yeah, very good right. Point. Based on the conversation, what would be your one key message to organizations which around vis- visibility or lack of visibility in cloud? If you could summarize it up in like one key message. I think the key message around visibility really comes down to um, it's a series of steps. And that first step is really about the people. It's about understanding who's using what um, and building a relationship with them. Um, visibility at the end of the day, if you know what's there, you can start mm-hmm. to secure it. And that's why visibility is so critical. 
Um, but knowing what's there is not just a technology aspect, though that is way easier in the cloud. Once you have access to a cloud account, running a quick script will tell you everything that's in that account, which is a wonderful thing we've struggled with in the data center forever. But it starts with those conversations. So me knowing um, that you, Monica, are actually working on a project and are rolling it out in right. Azure or Google Cloud or AWS or something like that is the first step. And I think that's where a lot of people jump the gun. They jump right over that and go, well, no, no, everybody uses IT like this. And that's not <laughs> the case. It never has been the case. And it's only getting worse because uh, IT has been more accessible, which is a huge benefit for the ben uh, business. Uh, right. It's a challenge for security if they don't flip that mindset. Makes total sense. Thank you for that. What is, according to you, one myth around cloud security that you think organizations should be aware of? It's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of myths around cloud security. There so are, that's I would, correct. <laughs> I would say that the myth that cloud, that security is one of the things that should hold you back. Um, I think people think that um, it is harder to reach uh, a secure posture in the, in the cloud when based on my experience and what I've seen around the world, the exact opposite is true. Because of the strength of the shared responsibility mm -hmm. model, it is far easier to have a much stronger security posture in the right. cloud because at the very least, you're delegating half of that responsibility right. to a world-class provider who lives and dies by their reputation. Exactly. That's a, win, right. that's a win right out of the gate. Comes down to shared responsibility. Yep, always does. Sounds good. And, and, and DNS. It always comes down to DNS. <laughs> That's correct. So then I have my very last question to you. What would be your recommended reading for audiences who want to just um, learn a bit more about cloud security or security in general? Yeah, here's where I, again, I go off the beaten trail. Um, uh, a couple things. The AWS Well-Architected Framework, even right. if you are not in AWS, it is not written specifically for AWS. It is a set of principles to get you to constantly ask questions about the design and deployment of your systems. Um, and security is one of its five pillars. Um, and again, it comes down to the theme of our conversation today is really security is not an isolated thing. The well-architected right. framework very much makes that clear. Um, second thing would be the um, uh, cloud adoption framework. There's one right. specifically for AWS, for Azure, and for GCP. They're all the same. Uh, they talk about how to talk to the business units, understand the processes, the workflows, the stakeholders. That helps you map out the outcome of those frameworks as an action plan to migrate into the mm. cloud. And then the third thing I would say is completely out of tech uh, is a book by uh, Chip, Chip and Dan Heath called Upstream. Basically, a lot of the time, how it relates to security is that right. we are down in the weeds trying to solve a problem that is taking right. an insane amount of effort. When if you take a few steps back, there is a much easier solution for everybody to implement. Not tech at all, but a fantastic book that if you keep tech in mind when you're reading, um, Upstream will show you the way to solve a lot of these things way easier. And, uh, you know, you won't pull your hair out by the, uh, the end of the day. So that would be my recommendations. That was fantastic, Mark. It was lovely to have you on this podcast. So this was today's episode. I'm your host, Monica. I'll be coming back with more episodes, so make sure to tune in. Until then, take care and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to We Talk Cyber with Monica, a platform for engaging discussions and expert opinions on all things cyber. Check out more information and episodes on monicatalkcyber.com. Do not forget to subscribe to Monica Talks Cyber on YouTube and Instagram, and follow us on Montalk Cyber on Twitter. Stay tuned, and we'll be back with more episodes very soon.